Big Red Bench. Come on. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. With Sure 72-hour non-stop protection. Tested to the limits. Sure, it won't let you down. Very welcome along to the big red bench this Sunday. Corker into the semi-final of the Camogie Championship, beating the reigning champions in Crow Park. We have Matthew Toomey's thoughts, as well as John McCarthy, who is on the line from GAHQ. What a brilliant game afterwards. Kilkenny again proving they haven't gone anywhere, beating Clare in the All-Ireland semi-final to set up another final with Limerick uh, second year in a row. Glen Rovers defeated Ballin colleague earlier today in the Division 2 final of the Red FM Hurling League. We'll hear from both Cam Stillen O'Connell has been speaking to Cork's own Megan Connolly and Denise O'Sullivan, head of flying out to Australia for the World Cup and Sarah McKenzie Foley joins us to analyse the British Grand Prix. All of that coming up between here and seven. are very welcome along to the Big Red Bench here on Cork's Red FM. The Big Red Bench with sure 72-hour non-stop protection. I'm Aidan Leahy. I'm here with you all the ways through till 7 o'clock. Let's kick it off, boys, uh, looking at the Gaelic Games and a big day of action in the GA at Croke Park. Kenny have beaten Clare by three points in their All-Ireland Senior Hurling Championship semi-final. They go on to face Limerick for a second year in a row. Ashling O'Reilly has this report from Croke Park. Patrick Horgan is going to have to uh, try and rectify that next year in the Cork jersey. He managed to score 16 points today for Glen Rovers at Parky Rin. We'll get into that a little bit later on. Obviously, the curtain raiser at Croke Park was Cork beating Kilkenny in the All-Ireland Senior Camogie Championship quarterfinal. And we're going to hear all about that in a couple of minutes. Derry are this year's All-Ireland Minor Football Champions. They've beaten Monaghan 113-9 to points in this afternoon's final in Armagh. Ireland are through to the Rugby World Cup Under-20 final. Richie Murphy's side beat host South Africa 31-12 in the last four this afternoon. They'll face the winner of France and England. That is just underway. 
in golf Japan's Nasahata Oka is the player to catch ahead of tonight's final round of the US Women's Open she's a one stroke lead over the field and seven under par Leon O'Guire's two over Claire Amateur Anya Donegan two shots further back they were both flying it um, after uh, two rounds and uh, just unfortunately uh, things got away from them yesterday Seamus Power is playing his final round of the John Deere Classic in Illinois the Waterford native is six under par through ten leaving him 14 under all 14 under all round uh, just two shots off the lead and in a tie for fifth so it'll be great to see him finish as high as possible in tennis men's seventh seed Andrei Rublev beat Alexander Boblik three sets to two in their last 16 meeting at Wimbledon and this evening is defending champion Novak Djokovic playing Hubert Harkacz of Poland in the women's draw world number one Iga Świątek is taking on Belinda Bencic they're just playing the first sets. Um, Cork City made the trip to Belfast for the semi-final of the All-Ireland Cup. Unfortunately, they lost out to Cliftonville. 1-0 it finished there and uh, Cliftonville go on to play Galway United in the final. We'll hear about the Formula 1 later on with Sarah McKenzie Foley, but it was Lando Norris in second behind Max Verstappen, who was the runaway leader of the British Grand Prix. We'll dive into that a little later on. In cricket, England's cricketers have kept alive their Ashes hopes with a three-wicket victory over Australia on a tense day four of the third test. Harry Brook hit 75 to help the host pass a target of 251 at Headingley. Ben Stokes side trail 2-1 ahead of the fourth match in the series starts at Old Trafford a week on Wednesday. Alright, as we said, Cork have knocked the reigning champions Kilkenny out of the Ireland Senior Camogie Championship at the quarterfinal stage. The Rebels recorded a one-point win in Croke Park, 214-213, the final score. Let's first of all hear from the Kilkenny manager, Brian Dowling, speaking to Jeremy McCarthy. Champions died with their boots on. I mean, you went out fighting all the way down to the final minute today. This team has been fantastic, not just this year, but under your stewardship over the last five years. You've raised the standards in Kilkenny and been rewarded for it. I know it's very hard to think about it right now, but the pride you have in this particular team and the way that they played today, specifically the way they played, even though they lost, must give you heart for the future. Yeah, I know. You'd be so proud of them, you know. Like, I suppose nobody ever likes to lose any match, but I suppose if you're, if you're going to lose, that's probably the way to do it, you know. Obviously, you don't want to lose by a point, but as you said there, like, they died with their boots on. They stayed going as they go on I think probably people thought the game was over with six or seven minutes to go Cork were, were cruising and you know we had all the kind of momentum but we turned it around and we, I think we were you know Cork were rattled at the end and you know we, we stayed going we stayed going and that's what them, these girls have done since I've been involved and just so proud of them now that the character that they've shown look it's easy saving you win but you know we have to say it when they lose as well and look again huge credit to Cork um, you know probably since I've been involved Cork can be the most headaches before a match um, trying to get matchups you know they've pace everywhere and they're trying to nullify threats different places and um, look great to see Ashton Thompson back on the pitch there and Laura Hayes or, you know, Ashton's a super player and you know we've lost unfortunately Marion Welsh and Daniel Morris Cruz has lost Laura Murphy there in the first half and you know it's, it's just a pity that we can't have the best players on the pitch but looks good to see the, the girls back there now yeah, great words there from Brian Dowling, the Kilkenny senior camogie manager after a narrow one-point defeat in the quarterfinal against Cork. Here is the Cork boss, Matthew Toomey. What are your thoughts immediately after? Relief. Yeah, yeah do you know, like, we, we put ourselves in a great position at the end of the game. Um, there was a few goal opportunities yeah. we, we, we flipped up like and, and to know that nearly cost us um, like we were shouting them to take the points to keep the scoreboard thinking because I think we're five points up yeah. and we two goal opportunities and instead of taking the points we went for goals which would have killed the game which is great but we need to get the scoreboards because you can't put away a team like Kilkenny as we saw um, when they got the goal the crow got behind them and like, it was just a bit small bit of composure from our lads which you know it stood to us um, a sort of a slow start and uh, but then you did 
you know, he started opening them up and uh, probably didn't capitalise. A, a, a bit symptomatic of some of the, a lot of the season for you? Yeah, absolutely. We're, like our conversion rate again today, like I haven't got exactly it, but it wasn't good. I, I can tell you that. Like, um, yeah, we started slow. We made a, we were making all the silly mistakes. Even our basic errors were, were poor. Um, you know, but like I suppose we kind of got into the small. We got a bit of momentum when we got the goal, and we, we should have got another two goals again. Like, and, and that's the killer. Like, and you know, we were lucky to get away with it today. Like, got some big players back, and but you know, more minutes on big players. Absolutely, like uh, that. Like, you know, I suppose we we were kind of hoping we get him a run, but not in the circumstances we did. Like, it was kind of like our backs to the wall at that stage. We had to get him on the field. We had to get some sort of kind of bit of composure out there. Um, you know, look, but look, you, all we wanted was results. You wouldn't be overly happy with the, the, the display, but look, just it was just the result. Like Kilkenny are a fantastic team. Um, like they're, you know, like they showed it out there. Like even you know when things were going wrong, they still had the composure to come back and, and could have snatched the draw. Um, so look, it's just about the result. Irrespective of who you play in the semi-final, how much will this performance bring your players in? Usually, I, I suppose because there was talk about our character out there. To you know after losing semi-finals, no, that's the quarter-final. I know, but like this talks about the character. Like we never questioned the, the, the character of the team, like but today I just thought they, they showed an awful lot of composure. You know, if we can just get a, a you know a top performance because like well, there's no the scores we left behind us. If we can get it, get it, you know them converted, you know we'd be hard to beat. But it's up to that. Quality of who you brought on as well, that, that experience with Orla Cronin, that experience with Ashton Thompson, more miles in the legs for them, and you still didn't even use Orla Callan. So there's there's options heading into the semi final. There is, yeah, absolutely. Like you know, and we'll be back Tuesday night now because we're we're not as straightforward as it is. Like you know, our 15 has been the same for a while, but that could change now after today. Like you know, there's a few kind of things we have to look at and a few changes we have to make which is disappointing when uh, Denise got that last goal Matthew I'd say the old heart uh, bounced a bit that time oh it did big time yeah like, just, like you could see the writing on the wall but saying here we go again like you know it's the same as last you know but um, you know we were just happy enough to we, we, we held on um, you know like I, I, I think the, the Kilkenny lads were disappointed with a, with a decision then but but, but to know for free. Yeah, but to be fair, yeah, but it might have been a free and Katie. I think you can't even have to be fair and say Cork should have at least have had one penalty. Yeah, that, that's. I, I think so. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that. Like, but look, I think when the lads look back and they'll probably see that as well. Like, but look, they're a fantastic team, and, and you know, like that was a battle. All right, John McCarthy is on the line from Croke Park, where Cork have recorded a few, a, a massive victory in terms of getting into the semi-final of an All-Ireland Championship. It was by the minimum a one-point victory over Kilkenny, the reigning champions, of course. Massive win from Matthew Toomey's side. Yes, in relief is the word. The first words that came out of the Cork manager's mouth deep in the bowls of the Cusick stand after the game. Um, an absolutely vital win for Cork. Uh, last year's All-Ireland final, of course, they lost Kilkenny by the same margin, a one-point margin. Haven't been hitting the heights of last year or previous years in the run into this quarter final. Um, neither of Kilkenny to be neither had Kilkenny to be fair, but on the day it was all about the result. That's what Matthew Toomey said. Just get the result. Cork did just about enough to do that. Uh, they required um, a big effort, not just from the players that started, but off the bench as well. The likes of Orla Cronin, the likes of Ashley Thompson, making a huge uh, contribution. Cleena Healy too, with two points as well. To be fair to her and. On a day of the slimmest of margins, uh, Cork's just will to win and to get that result. Just about held on. Just about held on near the end. But they won't care. They're into the semi-finals and a fantastic day for Cork senior Camogie. Yeah, and like they they should have had it wrapped up really, shouldn't they? A um, couple of goal chances, and to be fair, one of the missed goal chances really should have been a penalty <sighs> at the end there. Yes, the to- the main talking point after the game, disappointingly, is not. Um, 
about Cork's fantastic victory or the All-Ireland champions being knocked out. It's about referee John Dermody. And to be fair to John Dermody, it should be about his umpires as well because right at the end, with the score at 2.14 to 2.13, Amy O'Connor went straight through. Her jersey was clearly tugged. We could see it up high in the stands. Um, it was seen. It could be seen from both sidelines without a doubt, but neither the referee nor his match officials. And in fairness to John Dermody, none, none, of, none of his umpires seemed to twig it or seem to accept that this was a penalty and allowed play to go on and worse still Kilkenny um, went up the other end of the pitch Aiden, as you saw and they should have been awarded a free to be fair if we're calling this down the line right at the death for a clear foul and the referee was looking straight at that as were his assistants and again no no, um, no, no, no decision was given on went to play and Cork won now look it won't take away from Cork's victory and in fairness to Brian Dowling the Kilkenny manager he was magnanimous after the defeat uh, afterwards, he's, he apologised for coming onto the pitch and having a go at Dermody. He says he was coming on to have a go at the fact that so little additional time other than the bare four minutes was played. Um, but he was probably also, to be fair to him, remonstrating with the fact that Kilkenny should have had a free right near the end. And on a day when Denise Gall lit up Crow Park, absolutely lit up Crow Park with 110, it's disappointing that we're talking about refereeing decisions. It's disappointing that we're talking once again about lack of consistency. It's not that John Dermody's a bad referee far from it but today he was let down by his team in my opinion that didn't help him with a clear award of a penalty and there could have been another one before that for Cork as well but look aside from all of that Cork did just about enough you're right they did waste a lot of chances to put the game away earlier on and they were nearly caught at the end but this victory Aiden, and the manner of it and the fact that it's over Kilkenny a team that seemed to have their number over the last couple of years is a huge huge boost heading into the semi-finals Games are always, uh, and sport, every sport, it's always so much more interesting to look at a game when you've two players on, uh, on either team that uh, stand out. And obviously that was Amy O'Connor for Cork, who obviously wasn't on her own, and Denise Gall for Kilkenny. Like, the two of them gave excellent performances for, for their two sides. And it, it's just, I think people always like to see uh, two players go head-to-head, don't they? A bit like the all Ireland football last year. Yeah, it's a good point. It's actually, I'm, I'm as guilty of it as anybody. You take Amy O'Connor for granted. I mean, she's, she showed up today, got an absolutely brilliant individual goal. Katrina Mackey too, let's let's have a word for her because she got 1-2 and was very, very good. And there was a good spread of scores amongst the Cork team. I think there was six different scores on the day, whereas Kilkenny only had four and one ten of their total. They relied upon Denise Gall, but what a player to rely upon. But at, at opposite ends, they both, both of them lit up um, Crow Park at different stages it was just the manner in which Denise Gall just refused to accept defeat I mean from Aoife Doyle got a point for Kilkenny after 5 minutes into the second half after 37 minutes to make it 2-9 to 1-8 and from then until the end of the game Denise Gall was Kilkenny's only scorer now Cork had a fair few scorers in that same time frame including Amy O'Connor but it just shows you the class of both players definite all-stars if those two don't get all-stars there's no point in having the all-stars I'm calling it right now but um, a sad way if it is the final game we see Denise Gall, we don't know that for certain now, and that hasn't been mentioned, but she's given so much uh, service to Kilkenny down through the years. It would be a pity if she did bow out in this manner. I hope we'll see her again next year. Um, Brian Dowling, I'm not so sure, he spoke about his five-year tenure now with Kilkenny, and that maybe it was time for somebody else to step in. He needs to go away and reflect. But in fairness to Brian Dowling, he's been a fantastic servant to Kilkenny Camogie, as has Denise Gall. Um, Komogi will be a lot poorer if neither of those people are back next year but the real headline coming out of this Aiden, as well as Amy O'Connor's fantastic sizzling performance is the manner and the guts and the never say die attitude of the Cork team today they have not been playing well all year we've had the the dual player dilemma 
which we won't yeah. have because it'll be opposite weekends all the way now. We've had far too many injuries for Matthew Toomey's liking. Cork have lost a lot of very, very, very good players. There was no order Carlan today and they still managed to win. Um, they brought on, uh, they started Hannah Looney, they brought on Ashley Thompson, they brought on Orla Cornyn and they brought on Cleena Healy. And that's some serious, serious experience as well as talent to bring on. But for me, the back line, Maeve Murphy, Libby Coppinger, Maeve Callan did just about enough to keep Kilkenny out when things weren't going their way, Coppinger especially. So it's not a one-person performance yet again from Cork. O'Connor will grab the headlines with her scores. But the way Cork went about their business today gives me real hope going into that semi-final irrespective of who they draw. Yeah, and I suppose you're talking about Brian Dowling there, and obviously Matthew Toomey then was under probably a lot of pressure as well himself, and he's only going to be under even more pressure in, in the semi-final. Like you know, uh, the the pressure is probably only going to be off him if they go all the way and they win it. Uh, yeah, I, I'd agree with that, but I think the relief is the first word that he said yeah. today. And I think there's a bit of a monkey off the back in beating yeah. Kilkenny and knocking the champions out. I agree with you. There is pressure on Cork and they have not been playing consistently well. He said it himself, they're leaving behind far too many goal-scoring chances. And if they don't take those chances, he feels there's another one-off top performance in this team for full 60 minutes. And I agree with him. But Cork are talking about it and talking about it. No, they've got to deliver it because there's no easy opponent no matter who they draw in the semi-finals. They're going to have to up their game again because it, it took them a lot and took a huge effort to, to see off the champions today. But if they leave some of those goal chances behind against the likes of Galway, against Tip, whoever they draw in the semi-finals, they're going to lose. But the good news for Cork Camogie is a lot of those injuries have cleared up. Um, Orla Cronin played really well, made an impact when she came on. Ashley Thompson, after all her injury worries all year long, came on and made a very, very important contribution in the middle of the, of the park. Orla Cahillan wasn't used. There were other players on that bench, like likes of Hayley Ryan, the likes of Kate Wall, um, the likes of Ali Smith, um, Olivia McAllen. There's, there's younger players. And then there's Laura Hayes. There's just so many players that he can call upon, depending on the circumstance. And I suppose it's been a long time since Matthew Toomey. It's probably the first time all year in that he's had options off the bench to change the game. And in such a high-profile game, he got his substitutions right. They did leave a lot of scores behind, but they there was a momentum and there was a considering as well that the throw-in was put back by 15 minutes yeah. and everything that happened en route to the game. He didn't put any excuse on that, but I thought Cork started very slowly. Um, so to overcome that, to overcome a team that's had their number over the last couple of years, let's be honest about it, and to do it in the manner that they did, referee controversies aside, it's a good day for the Cork Senior Camogies and commiserations to Trevor Coleman and the Intermediates who bowed out yesterday to meet the Intermediate Championship. Cork Camogie needed this victory and they certainly got it. I think I might have asked you something similar last year but it, would it be seen as a failure if Cork didn't drive on now and go all the way and win the All-Ireland particularly after knocking out Kilkenny? Normally I'd agree with you Aidan but such is the long list and it's not an excuse it's a reality the long list of injuries that Matthew Toomey has had since the beginning of the National League campaign. He has not had his strongest side or strongest 15, in my opinion. I don't think he'd admit it, but I don't think he's been able to, to start his strongest 15 at any stage, even today. I think if you had a fully fit Ashley Thompson, a fully fit Hannah Looney and a fully fit Orla Callan and a fully fit Orla Cronin, they'd all start. But they, they, he's not able to start them. But what that has done is opened the door for others, the likes of Cleena Healy. Chloe Sigerson had a good game today. Fiona Keating on the 40. Sarsha McCartan faded as the game was on, but she had a really good start. She was Cork's only scorer in the first quarter. So, you know, players have stepped up. Laura Tracy was brilliant at centre-back as well today. So look, there are options in the Cork team, but such is the high standard of Cork Camogie you know, applies itself to 
and such is the disappointment over the last two All-Ireland finals they need to win an All-Ireland I agree with you and it would be seen as a disappointment probably having beaten the champions and not going on to finish the job but it's such a difficult championship Aidan God we are yeah. flying it Tipperary are coming in under the radar I mean I know I'm forgetting someone else but like it's so tight at the very top at the business end of this senior championship over the last three or four years there's been nothing in it there's been only a single point but if he has a full deck to pick, a deck of cards to select from, if everybody is firing on all cylinders come semi-final day, and if they can convert some of the scores they left behind today against Kilkenny, this Cork team is capable of winning the All-Ireland. But they've got to deliver an improved performance and a more consistent 60 minutes. But today, and the victory over Kilkenny, the reigning champions, was a huge step in the right direction. Excellent stuff. Perfect note to leave it on. Jeremy McCarthy from Croke Park. Thanks a million. Talk to you soon, buddy. Jeremy McCarthy there at Croke Park for the big red bench as Cork knocked the reigning champions out of the Ireland Senior Camogie Championship. The Rebels defeating Kilkenny 2-14 to 2-13. All right, the Red FM Hurling League. There was actually three Red FM Hurling League finals on. I was at the Division 2 final between Glen Rovers and Ballin Colleague and Parky Rain. Elsewhere in Division 4, Ballin Hassig ran out 119-117 point winners against Valley Rovers and Riverstick. And in Division 5, Russell Rovers beat Cloud Dove 313 to 13 points in Cahirlag. Uh, Glen Rovers got the better of Belling Colleague. It was 26 points to 15 in the end, but I think the scoreboard massively flatters uh, Glen Rovers, to be fair, because they tacked on a lot of those points in the final, you know, uh, five or six minutes, let's say. Um, Belling Colleague had a goal chance with about 50 minutes to go and uh, they brought a great save from Cotley Hickey in the Glen Rovers goal and it would have brought uh, Belling Colleague between three points at that stage and uh, Glen Rovers just went down the other end of the field and extended their lead but Belling Colleague for a Premier Intermediate team playing a Premier Senior team who have aspirations of winning the whole thing they were absolutely excellent in the first half the first 20 minutes in particular and it took until 29 minutes for Glen Rovers to get into the lead. Um, Keen Dorgan uh, was the was on freeze and also chipped in with a few from play as well. I think he had nine points altogether today. Um, James DeWire had four from play by my count from centre forward for Bell and Colleague as well. Barry Coleman with an excellent long range point from midfield in the first half, and it all came from the pressure they were putting on uh, Glen Rovers. Uh, the, the Bellingcog defence, the pressure they were putting on, they turned over so much ball. The half-back line was excellent uh, in the first half. And then, with about 10 minutes to go-ish in the first half, Glen Rover started to click into gear. The Downey brothers at half-back really started to get into the game. Um, Owen Downey got an unbelievable score in uh, in that last 10 minutes of the first half. Um, I'm trying to see, yeah, it was about on the 20th minute, let's say, and uh, kind of sparked their surgeons into the game and uh, it was a lovely point off his left out near the sideline. Um, probably one of the scores of the game, to be fair, although Hoggy with, with 16.6 from play, uh, some of them were pretty good as well. The Glen were quite, kind of wasteful as well. They got a few wides, but not many of them were um, terrible wides, let's say. It was more due to the pressure they were under uh, from the Bellancolic defence and uh, just in the end, I suppose, Ballincollig running out of steam against the Premier Intermediate or Premier Senior team with inter-county players like Hoggy and, and and the two Downies. Like, um, Glen Rovers are uh, looking like a, a good old team and it was a good test for them heading into Championship. They have Blackrock first, of course, Blackrock, uh, losing out Friday night in the Division 1 final. 
So that's going to be a cracker of a game in the first round of the championship. So it was Glen Rovers who claimed the Division 2 Red FM Hurling League title and I caught up with the Glen Rovers manager, Richie Kelleher, afterwards. Uh, Richie Kelleher, Glen Rovers are the Division 2 Red FM Hurling League champions for 2023. You must be fairly happy with today. Yeah, we are. Um, look, we, we, we kind of took the league serious this year because we were really good last year. And uh, look, five teams went down, so look, it was nobody's fault really because they had to restructure the thing. And uh, look, we see ourselves as a, as, a, as a top team and we wanted to be in the top grade. So we put a bit of emphasis on the league. You know, we, use, we lose a lot of players. We wanted to find two or three players. We played, we played the Ophelas all year long. We, we started about two again today. And we were delighted with the win, we just to get back up. Look, next year is going to be tough to stay up there because look, obviously we've caught players, we're going to be without them, fellas working, fellas injured. It's going to be tough to stay there next year, but look, we'll, we'll, get, we'll look forward to it because it's another challenge for us, and uh, hopefully we'll stay there we'll stay up next year. Would you have been unha- unhappy with the first 20 minutes, or was it the case of Balling Colleague just hurling out their skins, to be fair, for, for that opening period? Yeah, definitely. Look, uh, we wouldn't have been happy with two things, but when you sit back and look at the Balling Colleague, we're really, really good. They, they had a, a game plan, had a structure, and they tore into us. They, like, they, they, they were one bit afraid of us which I really admire in the team they went toe to toe with us and they, they went at us and went after us and we were under the cosh but just before half time we, we kind of got a hold of it and we, we, we think we were three points up at half time and I think that took the momentum out, out of Ballon Colleague and uh, even again the second half we took over again but they came at us again Look, and it was just a great sign of the team but uh, we said yeah definitely they did put it up to us but you would expect that because look, we're, we're, we're a level above them they weren't afraid of us and they came out fighting fighting for the ball manned up to us which is a great sign of the team so fair play to them Was there a bit of of um, maybe getting the team back used together again obviously all the inter-county guys back in you know Robin O'Downey probably took maybe that t- yes. 20 minutes to get into the game but once they did then that was the platform for everything he got going forward getting Stephen Lynham into the game as well in the, in those kind of final five minutes of the first half was a big key Yeah it, it is because look, obviously they've been with Cork all year and they're getting them back they needed a bit of a break then they come back and, and looked at Murphy Rover we're trying to mind them you can be part of their look, look, look Patrick's playing for so long we got to mind them like, they, they want to train they want to play but we got to mind them from themselves basically just some days we let them off we played a challenge match last week we didn't play a patch we left them off we took on off our Stephen our uh, Rob off at half time we think we got a mind from themselves they want to play they want to train but sometimes we just have to sit back and say no not tonight let's take a break but then t- tonight or today we wanted to win that match we wanted to get promoted we wanted it look it's a final we've had we've been unlucky in finals in recent times it's a final it's, it's only a league final but I said to the lads it's a final we need to be winning a final because we had one one for a while you know so look I've never I don't remember Glenn winning a league you know so it's nice that's a trophy that we've haven't won but like getting the cock players back is a huge boost because it brings a buzz to the training sessions underage teams are playing matches in the Glenfield they're training and they, they see the lads are coming over and getting the jersey signed it's all huge because it, it, local kids in the area or neutrals will come to Glenrovers and that's what, that's what it's all about with Hoggy like, it's kind of ridiculous sometimes like some of the scores he got in the second half he's under serious pressure but he makes it look like he isn't yeah look he's, look, he's really special look, and he's a great guy to be dealing with look, left or right high or low he can take it look, and like we said he can have bad days but the effort he puts in is just phenomenal you know? so I always say to the younger guys if you don't put in the effort you have no chance because Hoggy puts in the effort and some days he doesn't the ball doesn't bounce for him but you still have to put in the savage effort so when we drill into him for you have to go to the gym you have to mind yourself and he does he does everything right to perform at the highest level and for the age of the years he's still performing which is just frightening for the man of his talents I can sense there's a real hunger heading into the championship campaign this year maybe a disappointment from the last couple of years you're trying to rectify that now with a big championship campaign yeah we are look um, we're, we're, we're building for Black Rock and look they're building for us they played here Friday night it was out to look at them they were probably here today look two big clubs we're not going to lay down they're not going to lay down it's a big game for both clubs look um, so look as I always say we go and do the best we can and if we put in an effort and 
performance were beaten. All you can do is go and congratulate the other team and shake their hand, you know. So it's this disappointing when you don't perform, but that's all we want to know. We focus on ourselves and get ourselves right and go perform against BlackRock. If it's good enough, we win. If it's not, we won't be winning against BlackRock. But it's all rose only to BlackRock in four weeks' time, and it's, it's a huge challenge, but one we're looking forward to. Absolutely. Congratulations today and best luck for the championship. Thank you very much. Yeah, Richie Kelleher there, uh, just listen back, it's funny, like when we were watching the match, I just didn't think that, uh, I didn't think about the whole uh, top score thing with TJ Reid today, like, you know, and you wouldn't when you're watching uh, Patrick Horgan put over uh, the scores he's putting over today, but uh, yeah, on, uh, I'm sure he, look, Hoggy is the chance to get that back and uh, it'd be great to see if he if he can get back next year and uh, manage to bridge that gap and go back ahead of TJ Reid again but yeah good victory for Glen Rovers and uh, it was a big performance for Ballin Colleague heading into the Premier Intermediate campaign here is their manager Danny Dwyer Alright Danny look um, I suppose in the end the scoreline probably flattered the Glen a small bit but it was a very good game especially the first half and looking back at it now are you overall happy with the test that you got going into the championship campaign? I am uh, Look, look, we always knew it was going to be a tough game this morning. I mean, like they're one of the favourites for the Premier Senior County Championship. We're operating at uh, Premier Intermediate. Uh, we were very happy the way we started, but we did, like, we kind of lost away a small bit. We gave us some silly freeze. The Glen, I suppose, kept the scoreboard ticking over for the whole game. At the end of the day, they shot 26 points, and that's what senior teams do too. Um, I also think like we made look we were punished all the small things were punished on but we were overall look we got a, we had a very good lean campaign with our lads we delighted with their progress and for us it's all about the championship yeah like as well as that first 20 minutes defensively you're excellent that's what your your foundation I suppose for, for the scores that you got and eventually then the, the Glen half back line probably just got on top obviously the Downey brothers the, that bit of quality from inter-county level shining through and, but like they said that first 20 minutes was excellent yeah. Oh, yeah look it's an inter-county half back line I mean like Glen are little bit car players um, that was probably a problem late in the first half trying to get ball bypass them but they started to come more into the game it's obviously a platform for their attacks as well but look we'd all be asked for for this day was uh, an honest effort I did think we got tired probably in the last 10-15 minutes and they were attack on scores at will then but look overall as I said there with a good league campaign and we're happy with our progress There was excellent long range shooting as well in the first half you got some excellent scores like came from work and defence as well like which you'd be very happy with Yeah, ah, yeah look as I said we started well things are going well uh, I think we'd only won wide in the first 15 minutes so we're happy with that but look when you're playing likes of the Glen and any Premier Senior team you've got to play for the full 65 minutes and we kind of switched off here and there but look you know, you know, we've we things to work on to the championship. We're not deluded. Uh, our only goal of the year really is to try and win the first round against Dungorny. That's that's the goal for the year. If we can get over that, we'll, we'll pick the next goal after that. You know, as well as 50 minutes there, there was a goal chance. You know, would have cut yeah. the the, the Glen lead to three points as well. Like so, you know, you had your chances. Like, <laughs> which is yeah. a positive. Like that you were there, that you had that chance heading into the last 10 minutes. Ah, yeah. Look, we look. We needed kind of everything to go right there in the second half, and and we did plug away. Like we showed good courage. We kept tacking on points. We could be he just folded ahead and we didn't but yeah we did need it look if you asked me before the game we said we needed at least two goals to be there thereabouts at the end you know but we didn't get them and look that's the way it goes Are you excited now to have a chance at maybe achieving that, that aim of getting into senior level next year with, with a big performance in championship this year yeah well I suppose look we're one of 12 teams starting out every team has the same aspirations we're working away hard we're trying to improve you know, a few more lads come back into that team and um, away at the moment so yeah I, like you know you just got to perform on the day the championship's all about on the day every team's going to be well prepared so it's just going to you know it's dog eat dog if we can come out to the right side of the results we'll, we'll definitely give it a go we need to build momentum like any other team but yeah look I think we're in a good place after the league it's just trying to improve from here on and now absolutely best of luck cheers thanks cheers.
You're listening to The Big Red Bench with Sure 72 Hour Protection uh, here until 7 o'clock. It's myself, Aidan Lee. Uh, I was speaking there to the Ballancolic manager, Danny Dwyer, after they were defeated by Glen Rovers in the Division 2 Red FM Hurling League final. Um, big scoreline in the end, but Ballancolic uh, put in a, a battling performance and uh, like I said a goal chance of 50 minutes they were there and there there or thereabouts um, but big campaigns for both the Glen and Ballincollig in Premier Senior and Premier Intermediate respectively alright Dylan O'Connell was out and about for us during the week speaking to two Cork women who will look to make history and will make history uh, over the next couple of weeks at the Women's World Cup in Australia it's the two Cork players on the Ireland team here is Dylan speaking to Megan Connolly just to kick things off I suppose is it feeling real now you're off to the World Cup Megan? feel a bit real. I think it's still quite um, surreal. Obviously we've been here two and a half weeks already training and obviously the, t- the team was only announced two days ago so it's still kind of only sinking in that we're going to the World Cup you know, we're, we're on the plane we're going there so I think once we start travelling and get there I think it'll really kick in but obviously we've never been to a tournament like this so you kind of don't know what to expect so I think everyone is just excited and just...
I probably wouldn't really be here because he gave me that ability to be able to keep playing yeah. when there wasn't that much opportunity and play local and play at a team and club that I, I really loved. Um, and obviously I was at Quintins for over 10 years. Um, and yeah, he was my manager for 10 years, which was nice sometimes and not nice sometimes because obviously there were some quiet car journeys home after games. But um, I like you mentioned like you're yourself when you're on the pitch. You play yeah. as a midfielder and you play as a defender. What does sleep for? <laughs> it's a tough one because obviously with the underage with the Irish team I played as a striker. But with Dave Bell and Dave Connell I played as a striker so I'm slowly moving back the pitch so <laughs> I don't know what it is but to be fair, I do enjoy both. I, the, both positions are quite different. Obviously, I enjoy the midfield because I like to kind of cover a lot of distance, you know, being up and down the pitch, being involved in different things. But for me, I, I take pride that I'm quite adaptable. And, and I think it quite it helps me in the team being able to play different positions and being able to fill in if, if players are injured or if I'm needed somewhere else. I think it's kind of stuck with me in my career so far. So... I do like both. Obviously, midfield is my most known position, but I'm kind of turning into a defender now, so I'm getting there. <laughs> and like, I suppose, I said to Denise as well, like, you're quite versatile. Like, did you play any other sports when you were growing up, or was it just soccer the whole way up? Well, I played Gaelic football growing up. Um, to be fair, I've done loads of sports. I've done loads of different things that really kind of helped my athleticism, my fitness, yeah. my everything. You know, I did ballet, I did swimming, like... I think I'm, we're quite a sporty family, so we always just done loads of stuff. Like, I do think the Gaelic football stuck with me, like doing a lot of, that is quite a different fitness. Um, but yeah, I just played loads of sports growing up, and I, I think it's stuck to me to this very day. And like, just one last question for yourself. I was up in Opinion the other day, and both the girls <laughs> that were up for Denise for something else, and I go to a lot of games locally, yeah. and it's really starting to explode. Yeah. Like, and I suppose, what's your message to the young girls in Cork? Like, yeah. just keep the ball for the first time. Just, oh my goodness, just like, enjoy it, get into it, like, just keep playing. I know it's, obviously now it's a lot easier for the girls, like, because there's a lot more girls teams, but I think just go there, enjoy it, you know, you make loads of friends, you make loads of memories, I think, yeah, I think now they can see us, obviously, like Denise, they can see girls from Cork about to go to a World Cup, and I think they can dream to be here and it's actually real you know they, they don't it's not kind of a an unrealistic dream they can see both me and Denise like going to a World Cup now so I think they can dream big and they can know that they can actually achieve it one day so I would just say to just dream and just enjoy it and, and really kind of make the most of it but yeah most importantly enjoy it because that's what it's all about thanks for that I appreciate it Excellent stuff there, Megan Connolly in conversation with Dylan O'Connell, and uh, they're on their way. They're on their way to Australia now, aren't they? I think they got most of them got on the plane uh, Friday and yesterday. So uh, yeah, it, it's uh, I'm really excited. To be fair, it's um, probably it's it, you know in terms of a summer where there's no other uh, tournaments on or nothing, it's got a real chance to take hold. Like the All Irelands are going to be over. It's going to be huge. Um, 
it's it's going to be t- taking centre stage on its own, really. Ireland playing at a World Cup, so uh, yeah, it's uh, really exciting. Uh, just word on the semi-final draw for the Camogie: Cork are going to face Galway, and Waterford take on Tipperary in the semi-finals. It doesn't get any easier for Cork, um, but uh, you have to say if they get past Galway, they have a real, real chance. Uh, throwing an eye on Wimbledon, there might be an upset on the cards. Um, Igor Sviantek is a set down against uh, Bencic. Um, but uh, Sviantek has taken the first two games of the second set so maybe a resurgence is on the cards there alright Dylan also spoke to um, who somebody who will probably go down as uh, an absolute legend of the, of uh, women's football in Ireland is Denise O'Sullivan first start on Tuesday it was great setting up up in Ockney Heaney it was, it was unbelievable. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I told family that I was going to come home for a few days. Uh, Barry gave me permission to see them before the World Cup, and the minute I told them, they had all that organised. Um, but it was phenomenal. The whole community came out. Uh, it just shows what sport can do. So um, everyone helped in getting that organised. My family have been phenomenal, and they were all very excited about it, and it was it was a great send-off. Like, go back now, when you first started with United, like, did it ever enter your head that you could be playing out of water Cup? It was always, yeah, from a young age I always had that in the back of my head. It was always a dream of mine to play in a World Cup and I always believed that we could do it. Um, I was always so driven as a kid. Football was everything to me and that's all I wanted to do. So, um, But now that we actually are going, it's, it's a bit surreal. And I said it to the girls last night, only at that event it, it was really starting to kick in. Um, just the buzz around it and seeing everyone there our sponsors and all the young girls in Ireland jerseys it's just it's just really great to see and we're, we're very excited what, what is your voice for like because I cover a lot of games locally in Cork like you see the amount of girls don't get involved in the sport like, what's your voice for yeah I mean I think like just first of all I know it sounds really cliche but like work hard I think that's so important um, and I just think as well like surround yourself with good people I think that's really important as well and um, there's there's always stuff you can improve on you're never going to be great at everything so I think just go out every day give it 100% and um, you know keep working on the things that you can be better at because yeah, it's quite a story and I suppose just like think back when you first started you were proxy women in the National League what are your memories from back then? Yeah, I mean, it was phenomenal. That was a starting point for me, I think, being with that team. Um, at the time, I was actually under Dave Bell, who was a massive influence in my career um, with the Gainer Cup squads and stuff like that. But playing with those girls, it was, it was I played with Megan Conley. Um, it was just fantastic, and um, that's where I seen my development keep going up. And after that, I think then it was uh, it was time to, to move out of Ireland. I think taking that next step was very important for me, and I finally done it, and I went over to Glasgow, yeah. And then a glass October in Hamden. Like, when did it actually sink in that you were going to work up? It's <laughs> sinking for a very long time, honestly. As I said, it's only starting to feel surreal now, because yeah. um, obviously the girls have been in camp for the last two weeks, and I was... I was with my club team and I'm the captain of that team so my full focus was trying to be on club but always in the back of my mind I was thinking about the girls are in camp and I was kind of stressing out a bit and a bit anxious that I wanted to be here but um, yeah now that I'm here and being at that event last night uh, the squad has been named now and this media obviously is fantastic as well so um, it's all just starting to kick in now that we're, we're going and it's very soon It's so one last question if you flew in on Monday was it? Flew in Monday morning yeah How do you find the energy? Like... <laughs> I think I'm used to it now. I mean, 
I've been doing it for the past seven years, so um, it, it just comes natural to me now. I, I, I can't say I'm always fresh. I do, I do feel tired when I come in, but it takes me a couple of days, and um, you just get the energy from being back in with the team. Honestly, that's what gets me through it. I think I know you played in Australia before. Did that give you experience going over there? How to cope with the time difference and uh, the pace? Not the pace of football, but I suppose the conditions over there. Yeah, yeah. I played there twice now. I've been there for three months at a time, and. Um, Luckily, we're going in the winter time, so it's not going to be as hot. So that'll suit us. But um, look, it's a World Cup. There's going to be every team that we play against is going to be high level. Um, so I think we're ready for that, and um, it's going to be a massive challenge. But I think this team is uh, the growth we've had over the past few years has been phenomenal. I think we'll, we'll be really ready. Thanks. Yeah, excellent stuff there. Dylan O'Connell speaking to Denise O'Sullivan and earlier Megan Connolly, head of the World Cup in a couple of weeks' time. Australia, the first game against the hosts. They've moved it to, they've moved the game to an eighty thousand capacity stadium. It's gonna be an absolute cracker of a game. And by all accounts, I'd pretty sure they're gonna fill the eighty thousand as well. And there's gonna be a massive Irish support as well by the sounds of it. So it really is exciting times and uh, we'll be covering it all of course on the big red bench alright let's finish up with some Formula 1 Lando Norris clinched second place behind runaway F1 world championship leader Max Verstappen at the British Grand Prix this afternoon the McLaren driver who briefly led the race early on crossed the line ahead of third place Lewis Hamilton for Mercedes in a thrilling battle at Silverstone and yeah it was to be fair it was one of the more exciting races this year and uh, McLaren have a, a lot to do with that as we here in conversation with our resident F1 expert, Sarah McKenzie Foley. All right, Sarah McKenzie Foley is on the line to reflect on the race we've just seen at Silverstone, the British Grand Prix. And as far as the F1 season has gone this year, Sarah, that was uh, one of the more interesting watches, wasn't it? It was a pretty good race. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I wonder... If, if we would be saying the same thing if poor Kevin Magnussen hadn't pulled over in a, a fiery hasp. But I think regardless, you know, it was even the way qualifying ended up, it was a really mixed grid and obviously a very different result to what we've been seeing throughout the season. So I think it's great we were, you know, badly in need of a, of a shake up and some entertainment. So it was really, really good. Yeah, and we have McLaren to thank for most of it. Uh, fantastic result for Lando Norris finishing in second. And uh, Oscar Piastri, who was third for the majority of the race, just missing out P4 to Lewis Hamilton, who uh, nicked the podium. But uh, yeah, the the McLaren's dream weekend for them, I suppose, on home turf. Amazing, yeah. I mean, the the upgrades that they brought seem to have literally flipped a switch as far as performance, and it's just really impressive. And they're absolutely, I would say, up there now in that battle with maybe even above Ferrari and Mercedes and Aston Martin, because if you look at how close, you know, Lando Norris and Oscar Piastri, by extension, were able to stay to Max Verstappen in this race, he really didn't pull out a lead in the same way that we've seen him do, even to Checo Perez, when Perez has been in P2. You know, we really saw the McLarens actually keep up to a way more decent pace, I think, than those other those other teams have been so I think it's really impressive and you just have to give them massive credit because you know they didn't panic at any point during the season I think they they obviously knew all the work that was going into these upgrades and hopefully it just gets better for them from here 
it must be making Mercedes think a small bit because obviously mm. um, McLaren using the same using the Mercedes engine and uh, all of a yep. sudden McLaren have come along with this package they seem to have um, cracked some sort of a code for performance and they're outperforming the Mercedes at the moment so they must really be looking uh, across the, the pit lane and uh, trying to figure out you know where, where are we going wrong here how have they all of a sudden cracked this 100% I mean the the only reason really that Lewis Hamilton managed to get a podium today is because Oscar Piastri was a bit unlucky with the virtual safety car moving into a, a full safety car with the pit stops he lost a bit of time there and Hamilton ended up leapfrogging him but it certainly wasn't because he made any on-track overtakes or anything like that I think Lewis even said the McLaren looked like a rocket ship and he was really really surprised and impressed by their pace so I think it, it's it's good in a way I think because it gives them it gives Mercedes a battle that is closer to them than Red Bull I think Red Bull always just felt so far away whereas now I think McLaren Mercedes and maybe Ferrari could have this really awesome three-way battle until the end of the season and hopefully that is what what happens looking at the start of the race then Lando Norris uh, gets in front of Verstappen off the line and mm. Verstappen inevitably I think after about five laps reels him in <laughs> and I suppose it, it it opens up the discussion now about DRS and its place in Formula 1 these days because that would have been a cracking battle for 20 plus laps if there was no DRS there You obviously Verstappen would have probably caught him eventually but the DRS mm-hmm. just made it a non-contest it does and there are other downsides to it you know we often see about 10 or 15 laps into kind of every race someone just outside the top 10 usually P- P12 or 13 there ends up being a DRS train behind them where people are just getting within that one second window but they're not close enough that they can pass the person in front of them out and I think it's it's a good point I think there's room there for the powers that be in Formula 1 to look at the DRS you know rules and, and how they work and potentially make some changes there because in in some ways it's great and in others it just really does favour as you said you know a, a particular car in a particular situation and I think there's some stuff that could be looked at there definitely to make improvements. To be fair, though, look, Max Verstappen with the with the the gap he pulled out before the whole safety car uh, situation. Mm. Like, I mean, it's the way he just pulled away from the field. Well, it does remind you of Lewis Hamilton a couple of years ago doing the mm. exact same thing. So, um, a bit of a, a taste of their own medicine for once. Yeah, totally. I think it's it's interesting. Formula One throughout its history has been fairly cyclical. You know, you'll have these periods of teams that are, are dominant. For some reason, I think the Red Bull dominance feels a bit different this time. I think just generally there's a lot that's different about Formula One now than even when Lewis Hamilton was, was leading uh, as he did uh, a couple of years ago. And it's it's just interesting. I think... You know, I, I joke sometimes about just not paying attention to what Max is doing anymore during race weekend, but I think today was very different. And I think, to be fair to McLaren, they had good pace all weekend, obviously qualified really, really well yesterday. And now my hope is obviously that that will, will carry on and it'll spur, as I said, the other teams around them on to keep going with that fight because I think I think this is going to be a group effort. I don't think there's any one team that is really going to chase down Red Bull on their own. I think this is kind of everyone is really going for the same goal. If you think about it, the Red Bulls kind of have a target on their back and everyone is just trying to get as close to them as they can. 
One team who I uh, highly doubt will be chasing down Red Bull anytime soon is Ferrari, who again just, uh, just I just I don't know what to make of Ferrari anymore. I'm sure John McCarthy's listening to this; he's delighted. Um, but P nine and P ten, like how I don't yeah. like they they were under pressure from the word go though, weren't they? Both Hamilton and Russell yeah. were putting uh, Leclerc and Sainz under pressure from the get go. Absolutely, they were. They didn't look comfortable at any point, really. I mean, there was a there was a stage there towards the end of the race where Carlos Sainz, in in a in a matter of less than one lap, lost. I think it was five positions. He just was completely swallowed up, and he was already at the end of the top ten at that point. You know, I mean, we look at Alex Albon today. He drove an absolutely flawless race. We didn't see any of it really until the very end, but. He in a Williams has outqualified, has outperformed both Ferraris. He finished ahead of both Ferraris, and I mean, if you were to look at all the resources that that team has in comparison with Williams, it's just kind of unbelievable, really, that that would have happened. And it was on pure merit because, you know, nothing disastrous happened to the Ferraris. Really, it was just that they didn't show up the way they should have. So. They're, they're, it's an enigma to me as well. I think to everyone, you know, it's it's a pretty disappointing day for Ferrari fans, unfortunately. Does Charles Leclerc have to start thinking about his future because he's one of those drivers where it's very mm. hard to picture him somewhere else? A bit like Verstappen, it's hard to picture Verstappen not in a yeah. rebel. But eventually, he he has to look at this and say, "Geez, even if I went to Aston Martin here, I'd have a better chance." Like you know, it's it's getting to that stage now where he he probably will be looking at the likes of Mercedes, who may have a position opening soon, and you know all the knock on effects that that a retirement would have, so like like Hamilton's, let's say, over the next couple of years, there might yeah. be a spot in Red Bull, there might be a spot in Mercedes. Like he'd have to go for it. I think so. I think I have a theory that himself and Lando Norris could be an interesting prospect for when Audi comes in but that's not until 2026 but I still think I still think they could be really solid in a team together especially if they were in a quick car I just as you say it's so hard you know the seats in Formula 1 nowadays are so limited and there's a queue it seems kind of at the back of every every driver I just don't know where he would slot in I think you know, there's talks of Sergio Perez being replaced by Daniel Ricciardo, but then there's also talks of Nick DeVries being replaced by Daniel Ricciardo. It's just everything is really up in the air at the moment. And I think from what I've heard and what I've seen, you know, in the background, I think Zandvoort is going to be the kind of breaking point of a lot of that news. And I think we're going to have a much better idea of where people are going to be next year, which would be very interesting. Yeah, it's a good place to finish up on, actually, because let's face it, the, the Drivers' Championship is over, as is the Constructors, pretty mm. much. So the intrigue left in this season is to see who is going to literally drive to survive, <laughs> who is going to keep their seat like for next season. This is all that's, that's kind of left to keep an eye on now. 100%. And I think, you know, as I say, that battle between now that it's McLaren, Mercedes, and possibly Ferrari and Aston Martin, Aston Martin are struggling lately as well. I think that that is going to be where we see the majority of the entertainment. I was really hoping that Alpine would have a solid weekend this weekend. Unfortunately, they had two DNFs, which is really disappointing for them. But absolutely, I think, look, it's it's going to be, as you say, drive to survive, like a, a 
battled down to the very end for those drivers to keep their seats, the ones that are not performing. And I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens with the shakeup of the grid because there's a lot of drivers out there that you could argue they're just not at the top of their game right now. Absolutely. Well, Sarah Mackenzie Foley, some intrigue anyway left uh, as we watch the mm. uh, the second half of the F1 season. Thanks a minute for joining us on the Bigger Bench. Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks to Sarah McKenzie Foley, the resident F1 expert. You can hear her on the Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast every Thursday from noon. That's the next time you'll hear from us. Jar will have his pod out and it's sure to be a cracker as well after that uh, victory for Cork and the Pogi and uh, some big ladies football games coming up as well. All right, Max Blackburn is next with Green and Red. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Corks Red FM. With Sure 72-hour non-stop protection, tested to the limits. Sure, it won't let you down.